Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Good morning and welcome back to this week's broadcast of the Jesus and Paula Show. I'm Apostle Ashley kicking off today's show because obviously I'm not Dr. Price. And uh, you're not on the wrong broadcast. She will be here momentarily. Let me tell you what, things are popping off in the Jesus and Paula world. I want you to make sure today that you visit Charisma Magazine online. Dr. Price has another article that has been published as well. It's been picked up by the Christian Post today, and it is titled, Deliver Us as Black People from Reflexive Racial Responses. My, my. Everybody's like, wow. Yeah. Say mm-hmm. love. And so we want to greet you all. If you're new to us because of Charisma Podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Paul Price world, to the Jesus and Paula show. Every week you want to tune in. You want to share this with your friends. You want to tag people in the feed. You need to hear what God is saying in real time from someone who is not apologizing for the Lord, not apologizing for him being God, not apologizing for what the church doesn't agree with, with what he is doing and what he has done. And so this article, I love it. Charismatic Apostle Praise. Deliver us as black people from reflexive racial responses. You're a charismatic apostle. Well, you have charisma. Yes, yes, Lord. And that's the prayer. This article is, of course, extremely articulate. But it, I, what I love is that it, it tells the whole story. Now she starts when I was a kid, we had Jim Crow laws. Yes, not invalidating anything or negating what black people in this country have been through, but in true to Dr. Paula Price fashion, guys, come on, we can't stay there. We're not there. The, the, we have a black woman with an article published in Charisma and Christian Post. Times have changed a lot. And so you want to check that out. I, I'm sure that it's available if you also go to drpaulaaprice.com. We also always have the most current links available for you to see where Dr. Price is being published, where she is being posted. I know that we'll be rolling out soon a few articles on uh, homosexuality. There's the, the whole abortion issue that's resurfacing because of Biden and whatnot. So, And I just saw the email, hey, Dr. Price has something to say. Does Dr. Price have something to say? Of course, that we need to hear and think about. It. I was on the phone today with a gentleman, and I, I thought his testimony was so relevant. He said, I was here in June, and he said, I was pro Black Lives Matter, pro Biden. I'm thinking, it's interesting that you didn't know where she stood on that before you got here, but that's fine. And he said, and when Dr. Price went into prayer, and she was praying against what he was doing and shutting down, Black Lives Matter. He said, I felt some kind of way. Like, he said to me, I trust the God in, in Dr. Price, but I was like, hold on, and proceeded to go home and research. And he said, I realized when I did my homework that I had been brainwashed. When I actually did the research and studied and saw this is the real agenda, this is really what is going on. 
And I've found that to be, one, very comical, but two, very encouraging to know that there are people who are pursuing and seeking the truth and who are like, I, he said, I was like, what? I was like, yes, Black Lives Matter, yes. And after that, he said, I went to find out for myself because Dr. Price is such a trusted source that if she's saying something, it's not just like a hot button or a pet peeve. It's coming from a real place of fact and truth. And I tell you what, this is why you have got to stand the test of time as a minister, as a Christian, as a person in general, that when you hit up against these kind of subjects and you're saying something completely contrary to the popular narrative, your credibility, your trustworthiness, your integrity should be the thing that drives people to say, well, let me at least check this out. I need to see for myself. I need to look and, I mean, even this, everything that's still going on in Washington, everything that's still going on with the presidency and the fight for power, uh, we, we were talking, and I said um, to somebody yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I said, you know, what I've noticed is the senior prophets and apostles and ministers in the kingdom who have been with God for decades, and not just been in ministry for decades. Can I clarify that? Not just been behind a pulpit, but who have been with the Lord for decades. They haven't moved off of their stance. No, no I'll tell you what God said is true. I, I don't. I don't know what else to tell you. This is this is it. We're not apologizing. We're not backing down. Bishop Bill Hammond, we talked about. He said, "No, no, hold on. I've been walking. I've been doing this for 50 years, <laughs> and this ain't my first, second, third, or 15th rodeo." And a lot of these young bucks out in the kingdom, <laughs> just out of the pasture, good, maybe less than 10 years, maybe 10, 12, 15 years, which is not a long time. When you're talking about a lifelong career, you're still in your earlier years. Uh, definitely have fallen into the susceptibility of being persuaded that what God said to them was not the Lord. Apologizing, backpedaling, doing all these things, the board's telling you they're going to snatch your money, people might leave your church or organization, and so that's the most important thing. But these old generals out here who have been out here a long time, see, this is who I'm like, but what are the generals saying that God has seen fit to keep in their seats until they draw their last breath. This is what I want to know. People who have a lifelong career of not missing it in God, no matter what was going on on the surface, politically, in the church, <clears throat> the cost, what their network members say, what their board members say, what whatever says, and not that, well, this post kind of could go this way, kind of could go that way, and, they're not really saying one way or another. You know, you have to play it safe, ministers. We're not we're neither going to confirm or deny what is or is not God. These are the ones I look out for because to me they're the most dangerous. I mean, somebody who's at least saying the opposite of what God is saying consistently, at least we know you're consistently wrong. <laughs> we know that you are consistently erroneous. <laughs> We know that you are consistently prophesying by another deity, by another spirit. We know those who are always prophesying that blacks are going to be on top, okay, we know that your God is your race. So we know in any circumstance or situation where race is involved, we know where you're going to fall. But see, it's these lukewarm people. They're the ones that we're marking. They're the ones that we're looking to see. That's a really nice post. But what did, what did, what did you just say about what God said, though? Nothing. Well, I'm not going to speak into that, but I'm going to share this, misguided, prophetic misguided. 
prophetic redirects, okay? So we're just going to redirect your attention over here. We're just going to give the politically correct, apostolically neutral. You cannot be an apostle and be neutral. You cannot be a prophet and be neutral. That's the whole point. These are like throw-down offices. <laughs> These are gauntlet offices. You're going to lay it down. Choose ye this day who you will serve. That's it. And so I, I find it quite entertaining to see some of these apostles and prophets doing the dance of indecision. And, again, I will neither confirm or deny. So whichever way this goes, I'm not going to lose anything. <laughs> and when this thing, when the dust settles, I will come out looking like a hill. Look what the Lord has done. Yes, you know, me and my team, we may not have said it publicly, but in private. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can neither confirm or deny. I can neither confirm or deny. <laughs> Neither confirm or deny what God is saying, but amen. People who waited until the election happened, inauguration happened, and, well, now I feel it's safe to really say that this is the person I'm supporting. You, if you voted for Biden, I mean, like, legit, not like what they say we did, but legit voted for this man, and you look at the things he has instituted in the last week, you need to be on your face because it is disgusting to know what these people stand for and did not hide what they stood for. Now, Barack, he talked in those general broad shows, change. (laughs) Like what people are saying now, Change just broad strokes, and he they played up on everybody being so sick with the previous administration and the Bush administration. Nah, just change, yeah, we just need change, just change, yeah, just vote for change, vote for me, vote for change. Uh huh. And then we then we saw, but see, this crew is like, we're going to let men go into women's bathrooms. We're going to have transgenders play sports with girls. And do, have you seen that meme with the, the muscle man with the, <laughs> with, the little, with the little bikini top on talking about what girls' sports look like now with the muscle-building dude? Okay, we have that, the homosexual thing, now abortion. He's rolled back the abortion restrictions. Well, now your taxpayer money will be paying for abortions again. This is like a week. This is why this won't last. Are you kidding me? And so and you're proud of that? You're proud of that. You're proud of that. Because we still, as black people, have not been on the docket. We have killing babies on the docket. We have gender chaos on the docket. We have shut down the churches. I'm sure that's probably next on the docket. Black folks, still not there. Because we won't be. Because, again, this, this is the cycle. Get them worked up. Get them fired up. I mean, like clockwork, year of an election. Boom. Setting everything up. I mean, last year really took it to the highest level possible, or I should say the deepest level of hell possible, whichever. And so it's like, when are we going to wake up? But what I am so excited about is how God is going to play this thing. Because yeah. you cannot outplay the Lord. My my audio Bible is in Second Samuel. Yeah. That's it, right there. See, Second. These are the books, Doctor Price. These are the skip over books. We need to read the skip over the book that people never talk about. When you talk about it, and so we're talking about David and Absalom. Every time Satan thinks he's lost, you're going to go after go after, you know, kill your dad and take him out. You, you know, sir? Uh, you know, your dad is the 
warrior. And his men are warriors, mighty warriors. You, you might want to reconsider who you're going after here. I'm just saying. Because for you, my kids, this is your parents. Oh, this is my dad. Oh, I know I've heard this story. It's David and Goliath. You know, <laughs> right? So you imagine being David's son living in the shadow of your father. Oh, yeah, David is playing his, or Saul is playing his. We, we know we heard the songs. David is playing his tens of thousands out the gate and blah, 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 blah. They, we know the mighty men of valor. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so you, back in the day, my dad is old now. He needs somebody to carry him around and do all these kind of things. Because to them, um, probably, possibly like now, the legend of your parents is like, wah, 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 wah. that's old school. Oh, that's the old school way of doing the kingdom. Me and my crew were the new school. You know how we do. Absalom and Adonijah both surrounded themselves with people of like mind to them. Dumb. <laughs> power hungry, power tripping. As soon as we get your dad off the planet, we can have the whole kingdom, which was an empire, not just a city. We're not talking about him becoming the mayor of his town, okay? Somehow running an entire empire, having all these people. We're going to go on go on and sleep with all your dad's concubines and take it. You know, we're going to put the tent up on the top and so the whole nation can see you. God help us today. Has anything changed? No. no. This is why we get excited. We're like, oh, this is the Adonijah play. This is the Absalom maneuver. Okay. Oh, we pulling Absalom. We're pulling that. Okay. All right. All right. And he, I got this. My dad is old. And, you know, come on, bring in you. You tell me. What, what do we need to do? You tell me. And I love how God put it in his heart to choose the counsel that would take him out. Yeah. Yeah. He's a scary guy. Yes, he is. Put it in his heart to take the counsel that would take him out. You cannot outmatch the Lord. You cannot outplay God. Do you think he cares about your self-made inauguration? No. Self-made kingship? No. All the sons tried it. Those two at least tried it. You had Absalom, had dad on the run. Oh, yeah, he's on the run. He's over here. He's over there. David had friends everywhere. Because he's king. But he's a king that people loved. Ha yeah, yeah. ha. And not a king that they couldn't wait to kill, like his son. Okay? <laughs> so he was the king that people loved. And even though Adonijah, Absalom, had, well, I him too, but had, had built up that, you know, people don't like my death. And, you know, you surround yourself with like-minded people, so you think that's actually true. Because it's true in your boardroom. But it wasn't true throughout the kingdom. Word gets out. He's coming for you, sir. The, the, the king that don't go here. The woman lowers them in the well, covers the well, puts the corn over it. Looks like nothing's there. I said, come on through, Jesus. You know, you cannot espionage at its best. Before technology, all words ran through people. People were tagged. They carried that word. Oh, tell so-and-so. We see him coming. We heard the kid, David's here. Really? No. Now, we have a dinner on top of the well, probably. You know, they got the table set up. <laughs> Sitting out right, everybody's chilling on top. No. And everybody starts start eating on here. And so, underestimating the reach and loyalty that people had to their king. See, Satan always underestimates people's loyalty to their king. Yes, that's true. Their loyalty to their God, their Lord, Jesus Christ. 
And so, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on. I'm thinking, it is so sad that we think we have to step outside of the Word of God to get something really good. It's good. I'll listen to my Bible like, I need to get ready for work. I'm about to be late. Sit on eyeshadow. Oh, that's good, God. That's good. You know, me and the Lord having a moment through the Word because it's so powerful. And Him constantly letting me know, are you kidding me? Really? An election, an inauguration. Adonijah, we've talked about inaugurating himself with his crew. Absalom, Absalom hung by his beautiful hair, hung by his ego, hung by his ego, hung by his vanity, his pride. And and uh, the king, oh, don't hurt my son. Now they're like, listen here, this boy has us on the run. He has killed more than a few people. Don't hurt my son. Joab was like, mm-hmm. Right. But because Joab couldn't listen. And that cost him in the end. But he, he said, okay, they told him, he's hanging in the tree. He is. Go where? Take him out. But the king said, hey, you know, give me, give me this stuff. You can't get it done. Took him out. And I tell you what, again, Joab, Abner, he gets you. <laughs> you got to follow somebody's story to the end yeah. to actually see if that thing's going to cost them or keep them yeah. to the end. But uh, he took him out. And I'm telling you what, you have got to go Second Samuel, read. You have got to read the account of the Lord triumphing over his enemies. Yeah. You will think, because we kind of stopped preaching that. Yeah. So you think that's a new thing. Ooh, I don't know. Ooh, the media says, ooh, CNN says. I was like, oh, it's CNN. I could sneeze and knock the satellite out of the sky. Are you kidding me? It's CNN. It's the, 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 the Senate, the House, the representative, whatever, the judicial system. And so because we don't teach the sovereign side of God, which is what we hit on here all the time, Jesus the sovereign and not just the Savior, even though what we teach about being a Savior is weak. It's weak because if you're going to save somebody, you have to be more powerful than the thing that's taking them out. And so speaking about his sovereignty and how that overrides all of this, and you have got to read the kings, read about the kings, read about the judges. That's where you find out, to me, God at his best is flexing his muscles in society, in government, through government officials. That's what we're talking about right now. He was moving and maneuvering through government. Like, give me a break. Okay, so we're just doing a little maneuver here. I am by no means out of options. No means out of resources. Oh, I don't know. The army is surrounding us on all sides. And what happens? God goes, boom, in the middle of the night, they all kill each other. Right. <gasps> all of a sudden, everybody's just screaming. He struck them with mental madness. And they killed each other. I mean, we have books, volumes of books, diagnosing these mental disorders and dysfunctions that he just smacked on people. We're just going to give them a strong case of schizophrenia, paranoia. Paranoid schizophrenia. You just take each other out. And they show up to battle in the morning and everybody's dead. That's what you look around. And they run each other through with their swords. And another army didn't come out of nowhere. The angels didn't fall out of the sky as, as we would tell it. And it's like, okay, so you just made them crazy? Yeah. True. I mean, come on. He, we, the word says with Saul, 
that the Lord sent an evil spirit. King James, evil. You know, we soften that thing down to distressing. Like he needed some chamomile tea. <laughs> Give him a little, you want a little gummies to relax you? No, no. It, it, it's just a little distressed. So like you need a massage. 60 minute Swedish massage. No. He sent him an evil spirit. Evil. And he can, so we, you study scripture and you see that the Lord has the entire spiritual staff at his hand. We've talked about on the show. What, who should we send to Ahab? I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of Ahab's prophet. You, yes. So we have the evil spirit that was sent, the lying spirit that was sent. <coughs> we have all of these things <coughs> at God's resources and at his fingertips. That he could just send out at any time, when it's time. Well, we're going to send out Judah to praise. Well, what was in the sound of their praise that won a war? We're trying to get people to raise their hands on a Sunday. And there was something about the sound of their praise that won a war, an actual war, not a spiritual warfare. We just want it to be that spiritual warfare. You have to say it like that. Okay? Not actual people with swords and weapons of mass destruction of the day who are rolling up on you. First of all, I'm a praise and worship leader. Not quite sure how I feel about being sent out first. (laughs) In a war, I don't know. I mean, we'll go first in Sunday service. We're going to clean out the atmosphere. I don't know about wiping out a battlefield. I think I need to pray up just a little bit more. We're going to send out Judah first. And this is what we're going to say. Go ahead, apostles. First apostles. Trust me. Everybody is quick to send me out first when it's something they don't want to do. First apostles, Apostle Ashley. And I'm like, you know what? Yo, predictable. Predictable. <laughs> so, Judah goes first. <laughs> Sends out the, the worshipers. Which means that obviously there was a mastery to what they did long before we got to a battlefield. Nobody didn't say that they flinched. They didn't blink. They didn't shrink. They didn't have a caucus and a prayer session, and, I, oh, I don't know, we have to say, oh, Lord, we need to pray about that. You know, I, I trust Dr. Price, but, <laughs> I mean, uh, and so it's like, we want to send who first to do what? Because, see, we're all kinds out of our work. We don't even know the limitless ways that God uses his creation to do what he wants to do. Yeah. He, he says, I'm going to tune up your frequency to kill people. Now, seriously. Before sonic technology and before all of these EMPs and, and whatever else that we have going on that we now send out through technology to knock out systems, he used his people. He used creation. He weaponized humanity at will, clearly. Because, you know, I'm still trying to get that frequency and praise that just takes it out. I'm like, that's something right there. Paul and Silas in jail. We just talked about this last week in the deepest part of the prison. When you read it, they were in the guts of the jail. 
Because, see, y'all not going nowhere. Nasty. And the sound of their praise summoned heaven to bypass. And I love how Dr. Price taught us this. Man, so many things made sense when I first started coming here. And still. But I remember those early days, those early years. I was like, oh, is that all that was? Oh, is that what that meant? Oh, I totally had that wrong. I didn't have any idea anyway about that, which was usually the case. How it works, but to learn how God works his creation is essential if you are going to be a part of the ranks of the apocalyptic elect. We can't sit around wondering if God can do something. Our job is to push it until it happens. The Lord has spoken who can't prophesy. Okay, well, he spoke, we prophesied, and now we push. Officers make things happen. We don't go hide behind the skirts of somebody else. We don't have that luxury, nor do we want it. We're supposed to hide anyway. And you you say you say it and you stand by it. And you armor and equip those around you to do the same. And you close ranks and you defy. Who is who is defying? What defy uncircumcised? You have got to get that. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Because to David he was nobody standing up against the armies of the Lord. Who is this? And they're running down Goliath's resume and his family tree. And I'm sure his house had all kinds of Olympic awards and battles and showdowns and throwdowns. He is the undefeated champion in the nation ever. I'm sure this guy never lost a fight. But the one he lost, he lost his head <laughs> as well. And it's, you have got to do it until you finish it. When we uh, look at David and Goliath, and last week, was it just last week you were talking about Devil Jail? Was that Sunday? Yeah. Was that Thursday? I'm telling you. The wisdom just runs together in this river. And so in it, both times, it was like a two-strike effort. First, the stone hit the head, nailed the head to the ground, and then they took off the head. It's not enough to just sling your stone in the head of your enemy. They always took off the head as a trophy and as a sign that we now rule. And you walking around, and I mean, you know, if you're like me, you watch those period piece war movies anyway, and they don't throw the head at them or send it to them in the mail by messenger because they can't get to the king or the leader to let them know your number one is dead and I did it kind of thing. And see, we have to stick to it to that point. Where, yeah, we threw a stone. Boom. I saw him go down. No, 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 no. You have to come on now and take it off. And that's a lot of work. To take off somebody's head. Is, and he was big. So, you know, his neck was big. <laughs> you know, big neck Goliath. I don't even want to know what kind of. <laughs> What's the movie? The human head is eight pounds. You know, his is like 20. And then you carrying this heavy head, and the whole—I mean, the whole thing—is gruesome. It's gross. It's disgusting. It's warfare. It's a dirty job to be in warfare, and we want to win without getting dirty. And that's just not going to happen. You don't take off somebody's head unless you're ready to shed a whole lot of blood all over you. The, the come on—you have the arteries, vein, all of that in the neck. Everything connecting it to the head, and it's just a mess. Warfare is messy. It is unclean. You have to be ready to take blows, take cuts, cut yourself trying to take out take out the enemy, hurt yourself bringing it back. And see, but to the victor go the spoils. 
And see, our, our mentality of warfare is as long as it's in the prayer closet and it's safe. But no, oh, no, don't put me out there. Don't put my reputation out there. Don't put my ministry name out there. Don't just stop God. How much is this going to cost me kind of thing? And so we have got to understand that pushing it through for God is costly and it's messy and it's exhausting and you have to do it and do it. How long are we going to pray these decrees? Well, I don't know. Are, are they answered? Then we're still praying. How long are we going to be on this battle? I mean, will you study how long a war can be? Wars can be years. Wars can be months. Wars can be days. Uh, throughout time, you've had all of it, but at great cost. Short ones, long ones, great, great, great cost on both sides. But if we are going to be useful to God for his future, for his present, you got to be willing to get dirty for him. Take some risks. Get your hands muddy. I remember Dr. Price telling us in our early uh, ministry training days, ministry is messy. People are messy. Their lives are messy. They're coming from crazy, coming from everything. And so you're going to get dirty getting them clean, which is why it's important that ministers, they themselves, have their own precautions and sanctification measures to keep themselves clean, like in hospitals. And uh, and so I'm, I'm just going through the word now with different eyes and different ears as an apostle uh, in this new climate that has been unveiled to us, us seeing things that have been happening for years behind the scenes that we didn't want to see or accept were true, now very much in front of our face playing out in the theater of life, and we have the responsibility to fix it because it was on our watch, whether, and I say our, the church in general, it went down. And it is our responsibility to bring it back. And it's going to take time. It's going to take work, cooperation, teamwork, negotiation, back and forth, back and forth, some battles, skirmishes, wars, you know, kickboxing, slap boxing. Anybody ever watch slap boxing? That's interesting. That's, that's interesting, too. Yeah. You might get in a slap fest. Boom, 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 boom. See who blinks first who twitches laps, but uh, the Lord is in a move. And this whole thing in this last year has been like an audition. We, we talk about the Hunger Games, <laughs> like we were laughing about that, but honestly, the other day. It's kind of like, okay, just sent out, and you think it's one thing, and it's a whole other thing. Dr. Price has said repeatedly as well that a lot of churches did not pass the test. A lot of ministries did not pass the test for the Lord last year. And this is the next round of testing. Yeah. This is the next round, the inauguration, standing on the word of the Lord. Uh, I, I said to a friend yesterday, my favorite option in Facebook right now is snooze for 30 days. Yeah. Snooze this person for 30 days? Yep. yep. Just night-night. Don't won't see their post for a month. By the time yep. I see your post again, this whole thing will be very different. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Paul Price. Welcome back to the Jesus Show. Good, good, all hooked up in the new laptop. And although I love my new laptop, all of the USB ports are in the wrong place. You cannot work with the USB ports, so I'm, I'm adjusting. 
Yeah. You know, because they're in the place where you would plug everything that should be up here or should be in the back. But and if you're right-handed, you it, it, you can tell so a left-handed hard. person did this because yeah. they put everything. In the <laughs> I'm not gonna call the name. Got the is left-handed, and we're looking at her. Okay. Because everything a right person, a right-hand person needs, even to move the mouth, is stupid. You can't move. Yeah. It. Look at this. Isn't that dumb? You ever seen anything like that? All the cords you need. Yeah. You know, I don't mind fussing about technology because y'all got rule our world. Y'all need to be better than you are. Y'all, okay, you, got, you need to go and do your homework. Statistically, how many left-handed people do we have on the planet? I mean, come on, it was so few, few God gave a whole tribe. So, you know, when, when Norma gets on here, she's in her glory. Woo, I, just, <laughs> I get on here, I've got every port, the USB port is in the way, the plug port, everything. I said, isn't it stupid, though? I mean, you know, and you left handed and you know it's stupid. Now, you know. I said, like, I would tell people this is a really lovely uh, laptop. Don't buy it unless you're left handed. Okay. Look at you. Oh, well, yeah, that's clear because the, the, the power is on the right. Everything. So the power cord has to run that way. All the USBs, Everything. except for that one. And then, yeah, there's only one on that side. Okay. Only one on this side. Yeah. Only one. And I thought, yeah, but that was, you know, every now and then you get some sort of left-handed designer that wants to get a back. One of the countries. I, 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 I still got that right now. Okay. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just, woo, you can see I'm not, I mean, I'm coming. I had to hit a bell and break myself. I'm stuck. <laughs> Guess who's going to win this? <laughs> Fulfilling prophecy. 
what do you say? Curse be who? In Genesis, who? Curse be Ham. You will be a servant of your brother. We have, we, Jesus died on the cross to break that curse, and we still want to live it. He died on the cross to break that curse. And that Canaan would be a servant of all. And let me tell you something. If we don't get served, served nothing else, we serve the Democrats without a reason. They don't have to pay us back. They don't have to pay us off. They don't have to do anything but put us on the docket for the next election. Now, listen, look. Y'all going in. They like, we like the effigy you put in the bottom drawer. Uh-huh. We are an effigy to these people. That is it. We are nothing else to them. And, and we like it like that. And we walk around and we, we brag about our ethnicity. I can talk because I'm black and I'm pushing 70. Leave me alone. Uh, uh, I'm telling you. I am so disappointed in my race, I can't even say it. I said, here we are in 2021, and we're still begging them to like us. And we're paying them to like us. I'll vote for you if you like me. I'll put you in power if you like me. We still the pubescent little kids that's still looking for for daddy to give us some sort of affirmation. We don't use our mind. We got more education in our race than we have ever dreamed. We've got more geniuses in our race. Did you ever hear about the geniuses? No. You never hear about the little kids that are starting businesses and doing well ever. The Democrats will never pull out your positive side because they're too busy pulling out the LGBT. They don't have time for us. We will never be celebrated by this party. I'm telling you, not ever. They will never, and if they do celebrate us, you can bet it's a two-fisted company. We're going to hold one back and punch you with the other. Never. In all of this time, you have never seen it. You can sit there and talk about conservatives and talk about Republicans and all of that kind of stuff all you want. But if you research it, we only get their attention when they they are They let you know. We like the one-night stand. They don't even put a dollar on the table. Not a dollar on the table. This man is writing bills like a like a maniac, and we're not in any one of those bills. And you know what? And we still got black folks standing with this impeachment impeachment of a ghost. The man's a ghost. He's gone. And you know what? And, and, I mean, the Supreme Court told we're not going to back you. We're not going to back you. And you know what they say? And you know what else? America ought to be ashamed. You need to build the Democratic Party for all of the funds they wasted on their vendetta. They need to get an invoice from the American public. You owe us. I don't care what your party affiliation is. Your money should have been better spent in your house instead of theirs. And here we are again. They're going to use our money. Use our, they're already taking our taxes to kill babies. They're taking our ta- taxes to pervert life. They're taking our taxes to, to, to sow into the extinction of the human race. And so we got all of that. And now you're going to take our money again for a false, a farce of an impeachment. And you all, American, y'all need to get on the phone. Get on the phone. Call your senator. Call your, and tell them, I'm tired of paying for the Democratic Party's vendetta. This is not, we can't even look for vindication. This is a vendetta. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm being honest with you. I said to that, well, you know what? I'm like, I, what can I say? But you are, I mean, we need to stop it. America needs to say, you sent these senators to the to White House, to the Capitol to represent us. And every time we turn around, they're a drain on our economy in their vendetta. 
this is not talk about an economic law. Somebody needs to do the math. What is the cost? The first impeachment that Russia pushed. We didn't even talk, we didn't even come up with the first impeachment. And now here we go again. The man is gone. And you're impeaching an office. You're impeaching an office with the new president sitting in it. Okay. See, to me, the impeachment, because you, you, if you're going on office, we need to impeach Biden. Right. Right. If that's our standard. Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking about officials. Right. And we're talking about a sitting president. Yeah. Right. And you're talking about, I, I'm thinking, look at the economy. Listen, my fellow citizens, I can sound political. <laughs> you need to build the Democratic Party for all of the money that they spent on this vendetta, vendetta against we don't even know what. This has been a vendetta, and they've not proven anything at all, and they just keep running to the courts and running to the courts. The judges keep taking the cases, and they keep doing, and they keep getting, we are footing the bill. Why are we footing the bill? I just not, I need to understand, because we trusted these people when we elected those officials. We trusted you to have our best interests, and now we can't get a raise. We can't get minimum wages. We can't get health care. This man is talking about the diabetics and no longer going to be able to get any medication, and you're, st- and you're still paying for this rampage of godlessness, and we don't know why. I think that they should, because I tell you what, if they had to pay us back, there wouldn't be a Democratic Party. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They need to pay us back. I don't know who y'all attorneys are out there, but they owe us. They did not ask us if we wanted this impeachment. They did not ask us if we wanted them to do run what was shot over us. They didn't, they didn't, we, we told them we didn't want him to be president, but anybody care? And I'm not saying that out of my my emotion. I'm saying hard data says that we did not want him as president, yeah. and we got him. And now we got to pay for his latest, their latest rampage. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. For now. So I'm telling you, because if, if we, if the American people don't push back on this, and I want you to know, brother senator, sister senator, next time it's going to be an impeachment of you when you get out of office. Next time it's going to be impeachment of the congressman when he gets out of office. Next time it's going to be the impeachment of, of the police officer. The governor's going to get impeached because he's out of office. You understand that precedence is a scary devil. It's a devil that doesn't die quickly. That's a scary precedent that they're setting. So no elected official is ever going. So 20 years after you hurt somebody's feelings, they're going to bring you a, a, a after office yeah. Yeah. impeachment. So you all continue to play this game because, see, right now you got a single target. But I want you to know the entire House of Representatives is setting a precedent that when they leave, they can be impeached. They can be brought up on charges for what they did in office. We can go home. Why don't we go on and impeach Barack? I think we need to impeach him if we're going to talk about out of office. Out of okay, hey, don't stop there. Let's go and impeach George W. We're going to impeach him because I know he did some things we don't like. Okay, I'm telling you. Oh, man, my, my, my. Maybe we need to just go on. And a piece wages too, because yeah. that ought to work really good. We can go ahead and that. We can be able to do that. Brother Carter, we got a whole lot of impeachment to do. So this is a nasty president. And then when we impeach them, we're going to find them guilty, and then we're going to put the burden of the damages on their family. This is not going to stop. If you don't stop it now, all of you, every single one of you, are going to be brought up on it because you set a precedent. When the when Supreme Court, let's go impeach some of them. Yeah. 
Let's go and get some of those former ones. Oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm sorry you old and you're about to get up out of here, but we didn't make sure some paper from here. Yes, Because they're using a single word called official. We can impeach the police officers or guard. There's no way to stop this. This is a literal beyond a rampage. This here is going to be a tirade. So all of you all who used to serve the United States of America, under their definition, you are subject to impeachment even though you've been gone. If you ceded into the mess we have today, you're impeachable. I'm just saying, I'm a 50 cent. I just want you to know, I am a 50 cent. I'm not, I don't know from law, but I do know one thing. All of you all, y'all senators can see the same thing with this election. Right now, it's Donald Trump because you didn't like him. But understand, your election can be stolen, too. Your vote can be diverted, too. You need to understand that what you sow is what you grow. And what you grow is what you reap. This thing is going to grow. I promise you, if you don't stop it, it's going to grow. And in three years, we're going to have 20 senators who are going to be up on impeachment because somebody went through the file and found that you didn't vote the way we wanted. You didn't do what we wanted to do. These things, you all are allowing us to get in this state. Y'all deserve impeachment anyway, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> because the president is not the only one who failed the people. These state leaders had a hope, and you took their hope. I'm telling you, all of we, we need to go ahead and get Brother George W. You know, we have some issues with Brother George. And then we can go get his daddy. Put, put right on me. You know what I mean? This, hey, we can go. Because it's out of office. It's out of office. And the only definition now is whether or not we can impeach a living or a dead president. See, that's how crazy this thing has gone. We're talking about the Supreme Court, talking about I don't even want to sit on them and, and try, and then you still don't care because you use a little word official. All of you all need to be scared. Everybody who's ever thought about an office needs to be afraid. All of you governors, y'all need to be afraid because today y'all got Donald, but next month it could be you. And after you get out of office, it can be you. So now you don't even get the benefit of the state paying for your, your defense. You're going to pay it out of your own pocket. So where does it end? Where does it end? Because there are a lot of precedences that happen under this uh, uh, under this man's presidency by the, by the of his enemies. A lot of a lot of boundaries have been broken. A lot of landmarks have been moved. A lot of covenants have been breached. A lot of tolerance. A lot of of uh, what you call it, the violating the Constitution or playing as a, a lot of that has been broken. I want to tell you something. It's a funny thing about life because everything is spirit before it's flesh. Mm-hmm. Everything is spirit, the spirit of the thing. Everything is spirit. So the fact that, that we allowed those spirits to come in, so see, to, in a minute, it's not going to be about black, white, race, nothing, because it never was. But there are a lot of things that we have allowed to be born that will that guarantee to decimate us and to, to destroy us as a nation within the next five to ten years. This, this is a maniacal strategy with a pathology that we don't really want to live with. Because this is pathological. We are past being political. We've moved from political to pathological. Just look up your own homework. So while this here, what they're doing, this, this here, uh, 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 exit the office impeachment, 
okay, out of office impeachment, I want you to understand that's a pathology. That is not a political ploy. That's pathology. That is pathological. And I don't understand why pathology gets to rule in the seat of politics. So that a single handful of people's vendetta. It's a single handful of people. So I'm talking to you all. I've, I've never done this before. I don't know if I ever will, but I will speak to every one of y'all senators. If y'all let it happen to him, it will happen to you. Because they have no precedent, no reason to stop the precedent. And I'm talking to you right now, every one of you governors. If you let it happen to him, it will happen to you. Every one of you in the House of Representatives right now, you have a common enemy. But after a while, you're, you're not going to have a common enemy in a person. You're going to have a common enemy in an official. And you will be the next common enemy. So then election will be useless because we can put you in and take you out just simply because we have a problem with you. We don't know how you upset you behave well on the floor. We don't like what you said. And I'm talking to the states, the states in America and the United States. I'm going to tell you right now, you need to rise up. Otherwise, if you really have a view, if you really think your voice should be heard, if you really think that your choices should be treated with, with respect at the least, you need to rise up and stop this because your state is not going to escape. I can say this to you by the word of the Lord. This is a precedence you don't want to start because this is a precedence that means the entire of, of governmental structure, political process is being literally perverted right now. There is no constitutional, there's no legal, there's nothing. And yet, the American people have not said cease and desist. That is our duty right now. The American public must say cease and desist. And whatever that looks like, and whatever that, however that is required, we're going to have to do it. Because I'm going to tell you, Senator, what the what? The next one is you. Because you have a, if you allow it to happen to the highest office in the, in the land, what will happen to you in your office? So this was a nice little game. Listen, we've gotten past the election. We've gotten this little inauguration thing going on. And now they're setting their sights on what? I'm telling you. All of you older senators, you better get on the phone and talk to your, your constituency. All of you out-of-office senators, you better get on the phone because let me tell you something. When we allow vendettas to take over, there is no enraged hate. God said the, the, the flesh never says it's enough. That is a, that's a statement. The flesh, humanity, people will never get enough of it. The sensationalism of it, the destruction, the weaponry, you're weaponizing what? Impeachment is no longer a process, it's a weapon, a tool of distress, and a very expensive one at that. So I don't care whether it's Donald Trump or Biden. Biden himself is not safe. And I need to understand why why Trump is the only president that can be impeached. Because that's what you think. That is what you think. Because once you turn impeachment and all of these other uh, 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 processes, and disciplines or censures, once you turn them on, they don't turn off easy because there's too much money to be made. See, lawyers are making money. Politicians are making money. Pundits are making money. Everybody's making way too much money. The problem is the American people are lining their pockets. Nobody asked me if I wanted to have another impeachment. They don't care about us. We must care enough about ourselves as a nation to say we are not going out like that. You are not going to, we may have our own different political views, and that's normal and it's healthy. I don't have a problem with that. We should have our views, but our views should count. Yep. Yep. 
And when we, because nobody told me that we put Nancy Pelosi in there to have a personal vendettas against Donald Trump, financed by the American public. Nobody told me that. And I, and there needs to be some sort of some sort of restraint, some sort of constitutional amendment to say that they cannot have a private vendetta financed by us with public funds. Because we're paying for this. <clears throat> Trust me, every time they talk about your taxes are going up, I want you to think about what, what, what went into that. It wasn't just roads and services, pipes and lines. We have got to do better, people. Because we are right now, as I'm saying, we still are the United States of America. Yeah. And I'm telling you, every one of y'all senators, even you or you senators who were voted out, you're gone, you're all living your life, you can still get papers in your door talking about we're going to impeach you for something you did in office because you were an official. Yeah. So trust me, that's a, that's a dangerous path to travel, and it is a deadly one for political service. Everybody in public service. Some of these people are in there. They wanted to do right. But you know what? Somebody who's angry with you is going to find out we can do this. And there's nobody to stop it because we have this precedent. Because if the Supreme Court justice says I is unconstitutional and that doesn't matter, then where are they getting their power from? Mm-hmm. Where are they getting their authority yes. from? Because that's what I want to know. Because if we're not going if, if to, if our United States Supreme Court is not going to preside over this, then are we talking about a foreign court doing it? Wow. Okay. Right. China. China, the Hague, pick something. Okay? Are we talking about a foreign court presiding over something that our Constitution prohibits? Yeah, could be the Vatican. We don't know. Because nobody's asking, but if, they, if everybody said, no, who's going to preside over this, and where's this legitimacy being taken from? <clears throat> One of the things that I will say over and over again, and I'm so serious, precedent is a deadly being. But he is one that when you bring him in, he doesn't go away. You don't abort precedent. <laughs> You can barely prevent it because it's, it's always the first brick in a new foundation. And we need to make sure that the bricks we are laying now for our future will hold us and sustain us as the United States. And right now, Biden is letting us know, you are not the United States of America to me. Right, that's right. I'm I may be your president in your White House, but you are not my nation. And that ought to scare a lot of Americans. Within a week, he has done some of the most ridiculous things. So we don't know what you got planned for the next, you know, 364 days or 367. We don't know. We have no idea what you have planned. Because he's done everything. He has made the number one, most dangerous mistake that a new leader can make. And that is he dumped all of his vision and passion immediately. So then people begin to distrust you. Now, if he did that, then we need to understand what power is he doing this by. You know, they said about Jesus, because, you know, I love our little Bible thing. I play that thing around the clock. They said about Jesus, by what power? 
Are you doing these things? We need to start asking if it's not the Constitution's power, then what power are you doing this? By what power? Because that's what a thinking person would wonder. And we've got a lot of powerful minds in this land, in every strata, every sector. And the most powerful minds are asking, what, by what power are you doing this? And when you decide that you found this man guilty and impeachable, what is the result? What will be the judgment? What will be the sentence? Who is going to render the judgment? And what will be the sentence? Now, I already have speculation on what that sentence is going to be. But I'm telling you, Mr. Senator, Ms. Senator, Ms. Senator, I'm telling you that if they can do it to the highest office in the land, you, too, are at risk. And any time they don't like what you did, you are going to be impeached. Right now, it's a bunch of you all agreeing as one. But trust me, whatever power they're moving by, obviously thinks it's bigger than you. And it's, and it's more potent than you are. And that power will determine your political future. That is why that's the case that should be made for why we need to end this. Not even for Trump's sake, but we need to end this, all of you all, for your political self-preservation. Because precedent is not figurative or biased. President, precedent is rampant. It ramps up whenever it wants, and it doesn't stop. And it's, and it's a tool. It's a neutral tool for anybody who has an objective, an ambition, a vendetta. And right now, impeachment is an instrument of a vendetta. It is not a political process. And common sense has spoken, and these people are not interested in it. So you need to understand and ask yourself, by what power are they moving? That is, that's just me. I'm a citizen. I'm talking as a citizen. I'm not talking as anything but a citizen, and I'm thinking that we got a lot of citizens. They need to be built for this. They need to be built for that last impeachment where they did not prove their case. And I'm telling you, even that, all of those lies, they need to be built. But one thing we need to do is we need to stop political figures from being able to, to sling us around like a battering ram against their enemies for no reason. Mm-hmm. That needs to be stopped because this will not stop unless we stop it. And when it's all said and done, you look at our history, America has had to stop all kinds of foolishness like this. This is the reason why we stopped being a monarchy. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly why we came here to stop being a monarchy. Yeah. Because we did not want a single person to decide our lives as the populace. Right. And we need to get back to our little statement, e pluribus unum. Because, honey, we are right now not unum. And we need to be. In the tr- I agree. Hit that hand. There you go. Let me hit mine. Oh, that's why I had to hit it. I wanted the power with it. Just think, when you get promoted, go clap six That's that two step from clap. That's all right. It's yours, and it's got your name on it. And and you know what? A, a, a gavel is a gavel. 
That's what we want. I wanted to share that. So why did I say that? Because part of where we're going today is to talk about this. We like to say all the time that, you know, that we have the mind of Christ. We are teaching the mind of Christ. And yet, when I look up the word mind, I realize we don't know. We don't know. We don't have that. We don't really understand what the mind is. First of all, I like to go on on a record to say mind, for the record, is not brain. Well, that's the first thing. So if we're teaching you the mind of Christ, then we are not just going neurological. We're also going deeper than that. The brain. So the mind is what fuels, formats, or instructs the brain. So when I look up mind, and I'm reading it because I'm having fun, I'm, I'm doing an article I'm writing an article about this. I wrote an article on my training. I'm going to read pieces of it to you. But under, when we look under the mind in, um, in our, one of our favorite things in the uh, online etymology dictionary, it says that which feels, wills, and thinks. That's what feels, wills, and thinks. Really? So your mind... The feeling, what happens in your mind, comes from your center of feeling. The deliberation and determination to make it so comes from your will. And then the, 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 the idea, the content, and, uh, and instruction comes from your thoughts. So we don't really understand God's thoughts as his people. We think God feels what we feel, and he doesn't. Because he downgraded us from what he feels. Because we became infected and infested with Satan's feelings. So we can't trust our feelings. As a matter of fact, God writes in Jeremiah, I believe it's Jeremiah 10, he said, you know, that the, the heart is definitely wicked. When you read all that scripture says about the heart, you realize that our feelings should be suspect. And that they can't be relied upon for God's best interest. Right, so your feelings are automatically predisposed to your best interest. Your feelings are 100% tied to your will and vice versa. What you will is what you feel. We even have this little fun statement that you've been overused statement in, in a, a movie, in entertainment, the heart wants what the heart wants. I said, if we hear that one more time, I'm going to go and stick my finger down my throat. Theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> But there is, a, there is a fundamental truth to that, that the, what the heart wants is what your mind will, or what you will will your mind okay. to constitute in order for it to embody, take form in this world. So we talk about in the intellect. Do we know God's intellect? And understand God's intellect is not the same as his inspiration. Although it produces his intellect. Elahu in, in Job 34 said, the spirit of God has made and has given me, the breath of God has given me his understanding. See, there's a distinction there. And we need to start looking at the scripture's distinction and differentiations instead of trying to differentiate ourselves from one another's doctrine. And so when you look at, so that which your mind, that which, it did not call it an organ. Your mind is a substance. It's not an organ. Amen. 
the substance of which is Christ. Your mind is a substance. Your brain is your organ. And so the enlightenment that your mind or the substance of what your soul gathers from your heart and all of your other soulical functions takes on, becomes that that content, that body of content that feeds into your organs. So we, right now, the world does a great job of studying organs, the organ called the brain the organ called the heart. But that is not how the creator did it. In my teachings, my class, Solar Success, we talk about the differences between the heart of the spiritual heart, your solical heart, and then your anatomical heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They all are hooked together. So your spirit gives life. For it is the spirit that gives life, the flesh profits nothing. Your soul gives engineering and construction. And it composes what your mind must send to your brain. So your brain could begin to train your organic heart to accomplish what you made up your mind about or what God put in your spirit realm. This is extremely, extremely important if you're going to become a thinker. So we've been teaching a lot about thinking um, about the spirit, but we don't teach about the soul. Because we feel like that's God's business. When we leave the planet, then we'll think about soul. But up until then, but you need to understand the spirit is only giving you energy. It's the quickener. Now, it is the archetypical power and the archetypical program. The prototypical is your soul. And your body is your anatomical self in action. So we have the pneumatological, the psychological and then we have the somatic. So when you think about being a thinker, we must teach you how to think from the spirit realm because the spirit is where everything is housed and stored and transmitted from God's world to this one. It's planted in your spirit. Now, granted, if you said, you know, I studied this lot, when you study the Old Testament, the spirit of man is, we say, it's the candle of the Lord, but we never said it was the essence. We never said it was the substance because that was lost in Eden. So when God wants to light us up, we're a candle, not a floodlight, not a bonfire, not a torch. Didn't say torch. We don't have torchlight until we get born again. We're in candlelight, little candle. And they weren't talking about. They didn't say candelabra. Candlestick. One little candle. In the little things, you know, back then when they had no electricity, you started in the little thing, had a little ring, and you carried it around, and you could see as far as your arm could reach. <laughs> the spirit, your spirit, is a candle. We don't get the torchlight till we get the new birth. And then with that, we need the Holy Ghost to keep the light burning. That is why when people who get born again step away from Christ and step away from the Holy Spirit, their light gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. Light speaks to intelligence. Another word for mind is the intellect. Then say intelligence. It says the intellect because intelligence goes to the brain. 
the kind of Phoenicia's people. That's where intelligence comes, when the, when the stream is going forward from the soul's mind. Mentality fits your mind. Cogitation is your brain. You cogitate with the organ called brain. I think it through. Now, why is this important? Because if we don't understand how God built us, how God made us, then we're just stabbing in the dark with our teachings on the mind of Christ. There is nothing about how the church behaves in, in, in mass that reflects the mind of Christ. Because Christ's mind is about keeping his father's business and dominion and control at all costs, no matter what it costs, even his life. So we've got these these pseudo-apostles and pseudo-prophets talking all of this stuff, letting us know that they are not in Christ's mind. They're operating in the satanic mind that they brought into the world. Now, that doesn't mean that they set out to destroy God, but it does mean that they are opting against God. And Jesus said, if you're not gathering with me, you're scattering abroad. You can tell it because the things that this president stands for, they endorse. They endorse abortion. God is not an abortionist. They endorse homosexuality. That is not God. They endorse putting women in the most undignified thing. You ever notice that all of the the, the, the right to attack women, men get the benefit. But the women get the oppression. Because if we wanted to go and, and, and deal with the, the uh, get in the men's sports, we still wouldn't win because we're built differently. Everything is to crush womanhood. Take us back to East, where Satan is still using her as his weapon against the planet. So it's the girls' sports. Let's get beat up. So when they push you and when your, when your sister push you, and you might go a foot and a half. When the guy puts you, you're going to be through the wall. But hey, all fit, right? Because it's a game. Everything. When you look at it, it's all about the male. Now, I got nothing wrong with him. Uh, Jesus, you know, see. I know some of y'all think he was just Jesus, but he isn't. Oh, God. The son of man. Because, see, well, you know, they do that in, 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 in a lot of these countries, especially those European ones, the high intellectual ones, you know, in the Oxford Bible. Come on, who are we talking about here? But so everything is about that. Everything, when you think about it, we're going to legalize prostitution so the men get to have a lot more fun without the restraint. Everything is trashing women. Now, some women want to be trash. You know, I'm not one of those people that but they do. You know, I'm going to be trash for my law degree. You know, I'm going to be trash for my MD degree. Some women want that. But the bottom line is that the, the principle of creation, of civilization, is that women are trashed and kids are crushed. They don't care about your child. You can send little little Johnny to the bathroom and, and he wonder where he is and come in and find somebody up in his butt. Because that's the objective. I minister to a parent. 
did that happen to? She looks for her little boy. And he had gone to the bathroom. She goes in and she finds him dead, tied to a wall. That's just one example. There's millions of them. These people are, you, you have the fruit in front of you. You know what? You vote on what they tell you to see. Jesus said, why is it that you can't handle my words? Is it because you can't stand my speech? Because you don't have an ear for the message I've brought to the planet? So when we talk about mind of Christ, no, the church did not operate with the mind of Christ on this in large. You cannot say that Jesus Christ told you to do this. Now, you can talk about a false Christ. I'm talking about the man from Galilee, the Nazareth, the Nazarene who was actually born in Bethlehem and was reared up in Egypt, who then came to Galilee, to Judea and Galilee. See, I'm talking about that man, the man that gave all the scriptures that we don't like to read. See, there are this criteria for every identification, every identity. So when we look at that and we go on, the mind consists of memory, remembrance, and then it, and it also holds that it, it keeps you in a state or the things that you take in, in a state of being remembered. It's thought, purpose, conscious mind. Now, I did a whole teaching on this. I'll share some of it today. But think about it. A conscious mind. That means that there is an unconscious mind. Yeah. And a subconscious mind. So where's the subconscious mind? That's the mind of your heart. God said wisdom enters your heart. Knowledge enters your head. But wisdom enters your heart. Wisdom is processed through your heart. You have to know that. Because we are talking about the mind of Christ. Where are you going to get Christ's mind from? Well, I got the Holy Ghost. And you have the Holy Ghost, but does your soul have the Holy Ghost? Does your brain have the Holy Ghost? Does your mind have the Holy Ghost? He's, just because he's standing there does not mean that you're tapping into his reservoir or repository of Godhead, wisdom, and knowledge. A lot of people, the Holy Ghost is just hanging out. We talk about intellect and intention. And then and obviously we go to, to think and we go on to them originally likening it to love or loving memory, saying these are how memories want to affix in your soul. They tie to your emotions. They tie to your heart. So when we think about it, we think about mind, we don't get it. You understand? Your anatomical mind is your brain. And your mind plugs into that. Your soul mind is what plugs into your brain to give you life. That's why you could tell people go brain, lip, Coma come up, they still, where are they getting it from? Where their mind is still working, but when they sleep, when we put it back online, when, it, when we cause that organ to come up, it begins to pull from that, whatever was being captured from the heart, and whatever was spoken that the heart was picking up, and the mind, the soul was picking up. So your soul does not, just because your body's comatose, doesn't mean your soul is. That's why what is it, Proverbs 16 says, I will not leave my soul in hell, nor suffer your holy one to see corruption. In hell was the soul. Corruption is the body. The body goes back to the dust. So we, and we talk about that a lot, meaning mental faculty, the thinking process. They say comes from the 13th century, meaning, and, and talking about the sense of intent and purpose. 
a made-up mind, not just your brain. And we need to separate that because Scripture does. There are times that it will use mind, but there are times that it will use the word phonesis. Now, you know, modern psychology and all of that, they don't like that any longer because, I mean, it started out crazy. You know, you have the little head and then they do the little things on it. But just because somebody starts, something starts as empathy doesn't discredit it just on that basis. It should grow. We believe in evolution of everything else. So when God wants you to know your brain, that's what he's talking about. This is how your mind, because his spirit is dealing with mind. And I like how he does this. You know, I really appreciate the Holy Ghost. And I studied this a lot. Like, I downloaded all of the, I told you before, all of the things about the soul. All of this. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Aren't you wonderful? I'm doing that again. So when we think about the, the scripture's use of the word soul, and it's very important that you understand what it means. We're talking about, let's see how many times, 90, uh, uh, the mind, when it talks about all of the verses, uh, just about 90 plus times we talk about mind. Really? Yeah. And not all of them are mind. Some of them are the brain. But God talks about the mind and all of the study you can have. Now, you know, I, I, I like doing this because as much as they like to say we don't do these principles, you got these principles from the church, from the church of the world. You clean them up, clean them up through the Renaissance, clean them up through the Reformation, but don't act like that's not where you began. Now, I do remember, I do know that way back when the early civilizations, primitive civilization, they did not deal with the brain because they considered everything pertaining to humanity to be locked in the torso. So thank God they got ready to think about the brain. They just kind of, you know, when they embalmed them, especially the Egyptians, when they embalmed them, they talked the brain because they couldn't see any purpose for it because they never thought about that connection from the brain stem and the brain to the spine that was holding all of those organs together. And that's what somebody woke up. Thank you, whoever you are. Thank God for it, you know. But when you think about let this mind be in you, then you need to recognize that Jesus did not have the mind that we exhibit. So we add the two together. We're talking about 11, 10, over 100 times mind is addressed in Scripture. It's not just there as a statement. It is there to let us know all of the ways God applies the mind to the human experience, to the human existence. All of the things that he does. You know, he talks about your mind being pure, and, and he lets us know the mind is how we get remembered. Ah, okay. And then he goes into that, talking about that the mind can pass on to the brain and thus the body, the physical self, weariness, pain, hurt, confusion. He also talks about the mind being blinded, which is where we are, the blinding of the mind. That's blind your organ. You're still able to do two plus two. You're still able to recognize red's red. And everything that is stored in that brain, organ, you still can pull that up. But your mind can be blinded, meaning the mind refuses to adjust what it's running on, the information that it's transmitting to anything that's not familiar, not self, not safe or self-service. So when we think about let this mind be in you, I just always love that. You know, I always love that because that is where we are right now. Do we really know when we say, let this mind be in you, what are we actually saying when we, when we quote Philippians 2.5? Mm-hmm. 
let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We jump over there to two six because we're always about making us humiliated. You know, we're always humiliated. Who, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Then we get all the way down, but made himself a no reputation. That's the one you hear all the time. Made himself a no reputation. In what world? In what world? Because we confine everything to the human experience. But it said, let this mind be in you, uh, I like it, which was also in Christ Jesus. And when you look at that, it's phroneo talking about having the understanding, be wise, but it's the same phronesis that brain thing, that, mind, that brain mind. So that mental intellect of Jesus Christ is supposed to be in us. His mind. So when I look this up, and, you know, I like to look it up, it says to have understanding or be wise, to feel, to think, to have an opinion of oneself, think of oneself, to be modest and not let one's opinion so it goes on to think or judge. So we're talking about a thinking, judging faculty. It says to, to have a point of agreement, and then it's, I like this one, to direct one's mind to a thing, to seek or strive for it. And based on its interest and advantage. So your brain and your mind, are they, they are fused, but they're two different things. Your brain will not go to hell. Your heart will not go to hell. But isn't it true? It's part of your anatomical self. Your anatomical self will go back to the dust to become part of the ecology of future generations and the regeneration of the earth. That is why Psalm 16 is so powerful when it says, nor let your Holy One see corruption. In other words, Jesus was not buried in the earth. Because he knew he was going to come back and need that body. He did not become part of the earth dead uh, corpses. He was not a corpse that was, de- uh, what do you call it, decomposed. He was not being decomposed. He knew that. That is why having Joseph of Arimathea come and put him in a tomb. And then put him up and put all the perfume on him and carrying on you the Lord. So your brain, I don't care how much they tell you it's your super machine, your brain will not go to hell. It will not join the afterlife in its organic state. Is that good to know? So then what part of us is important to God? It's your mind. It is that which feeds, which uh, fuels, and which communicates and transmits to the organ called the brain. That's where we get stuck. So your brain, be renewed in the spirit of your, I love that, you know, I, I love that. And, I, and so I'm having fun here. I can barely see because I don't know why, but I keep growing this up and it keeps winter. <laughs> you know, this new thing they do, you set your computer and go to sleep and wake up and it's back to where you didn't want it. Because they're letting you know you don't matter. Their program matters. You don't. So when we talk about being removed in the spirit of your mind, this is something else that I think is very interesting. 
And if you, if you moan, your, your personal self and your mind being, again, now this is gnosis. So we have phoneo or phonesis, and we have gnosis. So that is be renewed in your mind. And it says here, I like this under fair. I like Brother Say, but I got all of them. I don't have time to read all of that. But it is your mind that is comprising alike the faculties of perceiving and understanding and those of feeling, judging, and determining. Your mind sends the feelings, the judgments, and all of that from the heart to the brain. Because you won't know what you feel if you don't have a body. You won't know what you, what you, you don't know. I mean, how are you going to touch this world? So the, the incorporeal, the mind has to become corporeal, the organ called the brain. Has to happen. And the reason why it's important is because we don't, we will not allow our new creation to train our mind. That's why he said, Paul says in Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit. Come on, somebody. He didn't say your mind. He said the spirit of your mind. But it's the spirit that gives life. The words that I speak unto you, says the Lord Jesus Christ in John 6.63, are spirit and life. The body without the spirit is dead. So when he's given us this, we've got a long way to go. We've been teaching you all about your spiritual gift, your spirit, your fruit of the spirit, not even breaking down how the fruit of the spirit gets from your new creation spirit to your, your, to your organic self to be acted out or carried out in this world. How does the organic, your, your literal uh, spirit, new creation spirit, move through that soul realm, and at what point is it converted to behavior? Because that's what it's telling us. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. That's okay. We got that. The Holy Spirit gives us life. The Holy Spirit gives us a new creation spirit. But it says the flesh profits us nothing. According to the Old Testament, flesh is a union, the fusion of the soul and the body. The inorganic side of the body is plugged into the soul. The organic side is obviously is corporeal. Well, so when we start talking about being renewed, dealing with your mind, we think that if we teach people, if we train people's intellect, their brain, because see, the, the, understand this, the soul and the spirit run on wisdom. The soul tells the brain, intel tells the brain what to do with that wisdom, or it allows the will to cause that brain to take, as enough to take what the soul's mind, your soul mental mind is thinking, and turn it into programming and processing that commands the body. Mm-hmm. So that's why you know, this thing is so complicated, simply because you must make that body begin to act, to, to obey the soul, but the, the soul must be compelled to obey the spirit. So that soul piece that we ignore, that's huge. That's huge. It's so huge that it can go to heaven and hell. So is God sending spots of light or spots of darkness to heaven and hell, or is he sending beings? So the soul is not simply a piece 
of the body. The, when we die, that body literally, that soul pushes that body off because it's dead. It stops feeding it. It stops supplying it. It stops energizing and invigorating it. It takes animation away. So it stops animating it, and when it does, it's still a whole being. So it's kind of like taking off the garment. That's why the scripture calls it a garment. Your body is a garment. So it's like taking that garment off. The soul is like, uh-oh, this is old. There's, uh no, I'm done. Because the spirit has sent death codes through the soul to the body. So we spend all of this time, half of your children, you're like, my kid gets straight A's and is a brat. Why? Because the kid's soul is brat. <laughs> Why do you think Satan needs bratty children? Bratty children destroy societies and destroy civilizations and destroy populations when they become adults. Why do you think that Satan knows this is why he's trying to teach your kids all of this stuff so that mentally they will force the brain on the soul. So you're talking about software, firmware, hardware. The firmware is the soul. And these people who are doing it, they know this. It's the church that does, that does not know it. We don't know our own mind because we don't, we don't, we don't want to know our minds because we, we don't want God's mind. So it's important, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Now, that was from Ayo, P-H-R-O-N-E-O, if you're taking notes. This one here is Gnosis. And so Gnosis is now the intellectual faculty, the understanding, the reason in the narrow sense and as the capacity for spiritual truth, the higher powers of the soul. Did you think it was in there? Because they keep telling you there's nothing in the Bible that we can use, nothing in the Bible that speaks to us. It says, Gnosis comprises the higher powers of the soul. That's the soul mind, the soul's mentality. The faculty of perceiving divine things, of recognizing goodness and of hating evil. The power of considering and judging soberly. See, Jesus, this here intoxicated rampage we've been on, that's not Jesus. Jesus was sober-minded all the way on the cross. He knew that there was a script that he had to utter on his way out of the planet through his agony. And he stayed with the script. And also the, the mechanism of calm, calm impartiality, a particular mode of thinking, i.e. the thoughts, feelings, purposes, and designs. They're calling it, they're saying it could be coming from the base of, of uh, Genosco, which is, we know, the knowledge and of the mind of, of, of knowing. So gnosis is not the same as from male, or they would have said so. So here's where you do a comparative study. I like this. Why are you laughing? Why are you chuckling? Don't let her chuckle. Why are you chuckling? <laughs> uh, it's like a behind the scenes of how Dr. Price studies. <laughs> like, oh, this is how you string those thoughts together. Because mm-hmm. when I open up my e-sword, <laughs> I'm not seeing it. I don't see that. <laughs> well, now we have Romans 12 too. Very different. 
very different. Because now here's where we get to locate what the, the object and the context. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Didn't say spirit of mind. So now we're talking about that organ. We must, from, from Ephesians 4.23, we have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. So as that new creation is renewing our soul mind, our psychological, or soulical mind, as it's doing that, we must do something with that. It's meant to be a transformer. So it's the mind, the, the, the soul, that the new creation spirit transformed that soul mind and the soul mind. Lay back if that renews the soul mind, and the soul mind transforms the mechanics, that neurology, that neurological thing called your organ, your brain. So God expects you to carry it through from the classes that you learn in church, through through your prayer, through your study, through your practice, through your own self-assessment, honest assessment. You know, I mean, if somebody keeps telling you that you're thoughtless, don't think everybody has a vendetta against you, that they have something against you. You might be thoughtless. That means your mind is not transferring the wisdom of God and the graces of God to your organic brain. Something is stopping it. What's stopping it? Something you think is more important, something you need more than anything else, your brain, or some reason that your brain feels like it can throw up a wall against the renewing of your mind. Why? Because the brain is like, I don't know that. That's God's stuff. I don't know God's stuff. I don't know. So your brain has been programmed from infancy to disdain and resist God's stuff. So that means that there is a coding and there is a design structure and a design flaw that determines who you will be in Christ. Those of us who were in Christ before the foundation of the world, we've got that eternal life design chip. And there's gazillions of us. Now, those of us who are like Jesus said about Judas, the son of perdition, they don't have that chip. Now, between the has and the have not, we have something in the middle called the unawakened, the undiscovered, unconverted. And that's where we are right now. This church who is thinking that it is okay to think they're going to spend eternal life with a man that created everything there is and whom they voted against to kill his seed, to kill his children, to kill his children. They think that. Because these people are either one of two things. They're either not saved, mm-hmm. never were saved, mm-hmm. or either they're apostates. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we don't talk about apostate things. Mm-hmm. You need to look up apostates. These are people who have destroyed their faith. As Jesus said, they're in the parable of the seed, the sower in the word. And when the word that they got was tested, when trials and tribulations came, they stepped away from him. And this is what God does. John said they leave him because they were never with him. Because when you really are with Jesus Christ, you can be in the pit of the spirit. Baby, they can throw you under the grave. You the iron on even. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you can be locked in a hole, dropped in a ditch, and you know what? You're all mad with God. You know, like, I'm just hot. I'm just Jesus. I'm, I'm done. And that still small voice. But you know you're still my child, right? Yeah. 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 
You know, and, and, and you know, I'm going to get you out of here. You know that, right? Now, you know, I had to. And then, no, and then God will get you to tell on yourself. He'll say, because you know you deserve this, right? You realize that. But you know I'm doing this for your good, right? I'm doing this for you to be with me forever. You understand that, right? You are so mad with God, you don't know what to do. But the love of Christ that is that abroad in your heart, that we get to tap that love stream, and all you got to say, okay, God, just give me grace. But honey, the fact that these people are impenitent, they are done. God is done with that. Because God, the Bible, I'm telling you, the scriptures that Paul told Timothy, God must give you repentance. He's not giving them repentance. He's done with them. They failed him one time too many. They disobeyed him one time too many. And now they're putting him to an open shame. Because they were filled with, the, they filled with Eastern ways. They filled with the depths of faith. Okay, I, I just want you to get this because this is important. Because when we start talking about teaching you the mind of Christ, are we really doing that, or are we teaching you our mind that we have labeled as Christ? Because a lot of what we teach, you know, what we think. Uh, we think that because we feel that, did you hear opinions? Our opinions. But God is very clear about his mind. He wrote a whole book on it. The entire Old Testament is all about God and his soul. Spirit is in the Old Testament very infrequently. Did you know that? We did not know that. She said only because she taught it. I just, I just love it. I just said she said only because she taught it. <laughs> When you look at how many times that it's in the Old Testament verses, how many times soul is, you're stunned. And, and, and you've got to separate that from God's spirit. So spirit is in the Old Testament. Well, let me add the others to the S, too, because you need the S. 244 without the S. And an additional 14 with the S. That's how much we have the spirit in the Old Testament. Now, I, I came from the church, but they said spirit wasn't in the Old Testament. I looked at him and said, really? But understand, understand we have to take away angels, and we have to take away devils to understand how much the human spirit is, or we can keep them all in there and understand that it, it says it that often. Now, because you need to understand how God thinks. And that, you cannot be a thinker for the Lord Jesus Christ and not know how God thinks. Yes. Y'all agreeing with me on that? Yes. And we don't know. Now, when you go into, look at this, you go into the uh, soul, 420 matches without the S, 420. That must be pretty important. What do you think? Wow. Yes. And an additional 59 times, somebody do the match. Now, 420 plus additional 59 times soul is addressed in the, in the Old Testament. Yes. <laughs> she said, mine is not looking like yours. So the point that I want you to get, do you see that now somebody do the math, separate the difference. Mine is two. 
the, the, no, the total of spirit, the total of soul minus total of spirit. Uh, seven, 769 was the soul. And then spirit. I don't think it's that many. Because it was 479. Yeah, 479 plus an additional 59. Oh, yeah, you're right. So 479. You're right. 479. Now do the same with spirit. And I want you to understand why this is important. Because God tells you God's emphasis. And how before Jesus Christ, all of the training was for our souls. All of the judgments were because our souls. All of that was about the soul. Did anybody get those numbers? What was the other part? 120 for spirit. What was the other part? All right, so y'all didn't pay attention. The spirit was 244 plus an additional 14. And don't ask me how I remember because I can't even tell you. There you go. Who said that? Um, I said would have been in Yeda. So the difference is 221 more times is the soul treated in Scripture. That's huge. So when we look at soul in the, the New Testament, this is what I really like. And I know this is like probably not the broadcast everybody wants, but I think we need to get smart. So in the New Testament, it's 39 plus 19 is soul. 39 plus 19. Okay, that's soul. Now, when we look at spirit, because this is important because you see the difference Jesus made. When we look at spirit in the New Testament, we're looking at 261 plus 32. Does anybody see the difference, the, sw- the pendulum swing? Do you all see it? How are you? Are you all okay on social media? I know that this is probably not what you were present to doing, but this is how I take my class through. And we're learning today. <laughs> That's what I'm so what what's the top, final total? So the final total is 290 for the uh, spirit, and then so it's a difference of 235 times that the spirit is mentioned in the Do you see the inversion? Yeah. yeah. The inversion is important because it's the spirit that gives life. Now, what happened between Old Testament and New Testament? The incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the new birth of Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost was not in the planet like that. Under the soul realm, in that soul era, the Holy Ghost was not there. So there was all of God. God has said all my issues were with the soul. Wow. All of my redemption and remedies are with the spirit. So if you talk about that, get that number again, please, in Yeda. Old Testament, the difference we said was 221. Is that right? 
The New Testament, the difference is what? 235. 235. Do you realize what he's saying? So the problem is when we told the church, you don't need to worry about the Old Testament, we couldn't treat their souls. And God talked about his own soul. My soul will have no pleasure in him. God, if God's soul is in there, devil's souls are in there. It is an amazing training. That's what I've been working on. So if you look at it, the, the spirit means more to God in the, uh, because Jesus Christ has released the Holy Spirit in the planet, and he's letting us know that he is no longer just atoning, covering us, covering our sins, dealing with those substitutes substitutes from the animal's blood. He's telling us now that all of that blood has changed. Jesus Christ changed the bloodline. He brought the bloodline of the new creation from heaven to earth. So on the earth, we're talking about now under the, the, the New Testament, we're talking about the Holy Spirit doing the work, but you having the power to do what you lack the facilities to do yeah. under Moses' law. Yeah. See, that's what we're talking about, the law of Christ and the law of Moses. Yeah. So, so you now understand that the Old Testament is largely, largely all about the soul. So we have all these New Testament churches, so people don't know that God has a soul. People don't know that God prophesied everything in the New Testament that we're seeing, that there was a prophecy for. I mean, how many of you all ever had somebody teach you in class what Jesus said when he said the prophets and the law prophesied until John? You mean the law prophesied? The law the prophets? Who ever thought the law was a prophet? Mind of Christ. So how is it the law is a prophet. How can the law be a prophet? Because law anticipates the issues that it's going to legislate or regulate. So the law is always before the lawbreaker. And the law identifies what is a lawbreaker. Is this okay? So the law was the prophet. Now why else was the prophet? Because the law came from a prophet came through Moses, and Jesus is the author of the law, Yeshua, Yahweh, but as Yahweh, he becomes Yeshua under the New Testament, he's Yahweh, so he is, and he comes to planet as a prophet to actually live out everything that he inscribed in creation. Okay. And so the thing that I want you to understand is that when people talk about us being legalistic, your soul is subject to the law of Christ. But the spirit, your new creation spirit, is transforming it from, excuse me, the law of Moses to the law of Christ. And that's a process, and that's a journey. But you don't know that. So when you start, like what did Paul say? Paul said, well, I did not know I was covetous until somebody said, thou shalt not covet. He's like, is that covetous? Mm -hmm. I thought it was just me having my way. I thought it was me just getting what I want out of my life. That's come, and that's wrong, and what is wrong with that? So the law, God's law predates creation. The Ten Commandments wasn't something that God whipped up on the side of a mountain out of his brain. He, uh, the Ten Commandments are the extract from the eternal law of the Creator. That's why Jesus said the law can't pass away. Mm-hmm. 
He says, heaven and earth will pass away before one. Why? Because remember, creation is a being. Remember that. Do we all remember? Creation is a being, not a thing. Creation as a being produces things. But creation itself is a being. And the being has already constructed himself, has already placed everything in him, got his all laws, regular, everything is functioning anatomically, biologically, biochemically. All of that is the being of God. God is creation. And outside of him, there is nothing. Nothing found its place in God. When nothing, nothing, it woke up and said, oh, nothing. okay, so I guess I'll be nothing. I'll be nothing. So when we, that's why the importance of us being the, the offspring of the Godhead has gotten drenched and buried under the legislation or the regulations of religion. Devils created religion. God did not create religion. He didn't, remember, he didn't have a religion. He had himself and his offspring. That's all he had. I just got myself and my offspring. My kids behave like me. Satan's kids behave like him. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. Satan's kids behave like him. So they're telling you that's very important now that you have all of this information. That's very important. Do you all think so? So I want to just show you. We have a class, you know, I have a class called Thought Leader Training. And one of the things that we realize is that we learn today that who the thought leaders are in the body of Christ and who the thought followers are and thought trenders are. You didn't catch that, did you? So because thought people follow trends. Trends fluctuate. And so you need to recognize that. So here, just um, this is a, uh, these are excerpts from my uh, uh, New Era Apostleship Inductee Readiness Program. This one is under the heading of Thought Leader Training. The work of an apostle is broad, spanning almost the entire spectrum of the human experience on God's behalf and God's experience with humanity. As his throne of representatives, apostles vicariously discharged the Lord's royal functions, duties, and responsibilities in this world. They represent and manifest him throughout his new creation church, along with the secular and ecclesial domains of his kingdom. Take a moment to think about what these statements imply, and then consider the general significances of their implications. Now consider what their, what their consciences impose upon you as a commission trainee. They say why you are receiving thought leader training and what it has to do with Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6, where he talks about casting down arguments. Another version says casting down imagination. It will be useful for you to read still more versions of that passage of Scripture to gain deeper insight into what Paul presents as a prime activity of apostleship. Mark 9.33 has Jesus using another form of the word of the King James Version translates as dispute. In Thayer's definition, it is strong, G1280. The term describes bringing together different reasons, reckoning up reasons and reasoning to resolve in one mind 
in order to deliberate. Mm. So you understand that as we were walking through this particular journey, it is not the prediction. It is the reasoning of God. The, lo- the reason that we have prophetic gifts dominating scripture prophecy or dominating prophecy at all is because we have separated the logos from the rhema. So we are hot on this rhema work. But rhema has to have a source, a logic system. Our theology has a technology, and logos it gives us the technology of our theology. And in that, you get analysis. In that, you get evaluations. In that, you get wisdom. In that, you get rationale. In that, you get purpose and intent. Logos works with uh, Hebrews 4.12. And it is a functional thing. Okay? And then, so the Greek word is diologismate. Come on, somebody. Y'all put that on the tape for me so I get it right. Okay? Diologismate. Okay? Y'all put it on tape. Essentially, the meaning of the term Jesus employed refers to evaluating in a way that leads to confused conclusions. Broadly, this involves reckoning and reasoning that resolves one mind. In other words, it's saying that you don't take things at base value. Confusion is, is a healthy process if you break it down. Confusion, inner fusion, something else is entered in. As fused with that you must now break down in order to a- analyze so that you can remove what is not reasoning, not good reasoning, not good reckoning, and you can replace it with what is. It says reasoning and reckoning that resolves in one that resolves one's mind on a given issue. You're not hearing that. You're here, oh, they they said, oh, well, they said, oh, sorry, oh, forgive me. No of what God is doing holistically. Predictive prophecy is never holistic. Because the essence of prophecy is saying beforehand in a way that not only predicts, but also presents the project or venture being undertaken by God as described through the prophet's mouth. Prophecy always has projects it always has ventures, it always has cause, it always has effects, it always has continuum. All of that is in the prophecy continuum. Other definitions say these are achieved by casting in mind, considering, disputing, musing, and reasoning, as well as thinking. So what does this have to do with your thought leader training? It is answered by the string of meanings just covered. The commission and Betsy's training curricula include strengthening or forging practical lines of thinking in you that reflect and defend the wisdom of the Almighty. These people, they, they didn't defect. They deflected. Or, excuse me, they defected. And this, after they deflected. Another example is a word found in Acts 9.29, where the word is translated from the Greek laleo. Its meanings go from talking as an utterance to preaching and telling, often in a discursive manner. But there is more. See, Paul marks here confrontation where Acts chapter 17 records the apostle to the Gentiles doing his job. He is disputing in the synagogue full of Jews and philosophers and procurians and Stoics about the reality of Jesus Christ. They reappear often contending with him 
and the other apostles about the Son of God. See, prophecy is supposed to be Jesus Christ. But Revelation 19 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, the root of the term translated disputing traces back to G3004, a variant of the Greek term logos. This word is personified and professionalized in and by the Lord Jesus Christ. By now, what should be coming together for you is the importance of apostles and apostolic people becoming thought leaders in God's name. To this end, the following material was gathered and assigned to you as part of your early pre-course reading. Now, you have this, and you are the finished product. Mm. See, they listen to you every week. This is her training. This is how she answered. This is why she can stand and introduce this show the way she did. We had humor. We had logic. We had wisdom. We had intelligence. We had examples. We had everything that makes for literally persuasive discourse. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't boring. Yes. Amen. This is what I'm talking about. So this is part of the course. Now, I just read you two pages of a 33-page document, eight and a half by 11. By the time they see it again, it'll be in a nice little book looking all cute. But the next heading is Seeing God as a Thinker. And they go through all of this because they have to do. And then and it talks about true communication springs from true communion. Mm. Getting an audience with the Almighty. So who and what is God? Because everybody's claiming they're hearing from God. Mm. It is the apostle's job to know who or what is God in a person's word, in their communion, in their testimonies. Because remember, the testimony, we often say Jesus is the spirit. But see, that's not what it says. It says the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You cannot be renewed in the spirit of your mind without the testimony of Jesus Christ. From Genesis to Revelation. And then, of course, um, the human perspective. I'll finish this off with that, but, and then hopefully I will have made my point. Maybe. What Scripture calls carnal. So when you see the words human, humanity, mankind in worldly communications, substitute the word carnal for it. And the Lord's conflict with worldliness shows up as carnality. Notwithstanding, most of humanity, if they give any thought to God at all, perceive him to be a meddler in human affairs or an invisible meander that drifts in and out of people's consciousness. This maintains as his new creation ecclesia has not in recent centuries helped his cause much. It has become too devoutly humanist to give place to his thoughts. Countless churches and Christians dismiss God so often that they cannot imagine him having a mind, let alone thought. Mm. Numerous Christian churches do not accept his existence and thus regard him as a, as a non-thinker. Isn't that good to know? Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, for them, the notion of pondering any thoughts he may have and want to reveal hardly ever enters the picture. You see, masses of Christ believers today 
worship and serve our God unsure of his reality. In their minds, incorporeal means unreal. For most of those who live today, he resides in the far-off future waiting, awaiting his church's arrival, otherwise useless in their day-to-day. That's what we that's what how we ended up with apostles. That's how we ended up with because they only had the spec they had you know how you pull up you know they used to have pull off the ticker tape for those of us who are remember the news, you pulled off the ticker tape, there was one little string. That's what they're running on. The entire story is something else. But the apostle and prophet of Jesus Christ has for the most part the the, the gist of the story, the major part of the story. We're going to continue this journey on God as a thinker and letting this mind be in you. And we're going to have you be able to listen to people's rhetoric. Listen to, because you know, rhetoric comes from Raymond. Low Logic comes from Logos. Does anybody see the difference? Rhetoric from Raymond. Logic from Logos. Are y'all appreciating it? Yes. So that means Raymond needs Logos in order to be vetted. Logos vets Rhema. Rhema expresses Logos. So that is how we got confused where we are right now. So I've enjoyed it. I'm running out of time. I'm going to have a little bit of an after show because I want to. And it's my day and I got the mic. (laughs) And I got this. And this. I can do what I want to do. Get your friend. Thank you. I'm going to get you a better friend. He said it live. This year, though? So well. This quarter? She knows me so very well. So I want this to join us. Um, Share this, share it, and share it. And if you have time, stay around for the after show. If not, touch us later. It's going to be very interesting. Not long, so don't think that you're going to get another show. Okay, I like that. We're going to, we're going to come back after this commercial with our after show. Share, share, share. And after you share, don't forget to so, so, so. But I'm giving you the wisdom to upgrade your intelligence and also to facilitate the renewing of your mind so that it transforms your brain. See you in a moment. God bless. Oh, thank you. I get some water. Well, you know what? Uh, use the interview question, who is Donald Wright, or one of the difference from a standard. Yeah, we're You like me, don't you? So, how did you all appreciate today? Yes. Yeah. Huh? Amen. All of you all? Even the beginning when we started talking. But if I don't teach people the difference between the Christ mind 
and the world's mine. That we'll continue having. I mean, you know, granted, I don't know how big an audience will go. If I know Apostle Ashley, she'll probably make some of this part of the podcast. But, um, huh? Because we have to start arming you. We equip, but we don't arm. Like, you can't even make a judgment call, so you think it's personality that makes the decision. And it's not personality. It's dealing with the, 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 Content is dealing with the communication and its veracity. We have to do that. And that's what I'm going to do for a little bit. We're going to stay with this so that we can begin to help people think. Yeah, but that can't be. You know how they have that commercial? You know the commercial where, you know, the donkey is sitting on the toilet or something like that and 